Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kill Your Yo-Yo. My name is Ross Levine and this is the one and only podcast dedicated to yo-yo theory, yo-yo performance, and yo-yo improvisation. This show is brought to you by Illinks. And before I get into today's guest, I want to tell you that the Illinx Melatonin, that's the yo-yo I keep promoting in these episodes, it's the yo-yo whose sales go directly to helping to support this show so that I don't have to like get ads or anything like that, uh, that yo-yo has gone from $75 down to $60, which is amazing news for you because now you can pick up that yo-yo for even cheaper and it's still just as good of a yo-yo. Uh, this is a, a, a yo-yo that I worked really, really hard on. It's inspired by two of my favorite yo-yos, the Speeder 2 and the Rec Rev number 9. The Speeder 2, of course, is designed by Yo-Yo Jam. Um, but the reason that it had to reduce in price is because sales were going pretty good, and then they dropped. And I realized that all of my best fans bought the melatonin, um, and a lot of them bought them in person rather than from a retailer uh, because I was, I was selling them in person. I was like, oh no, now my retailers aren't going to want to work with me for future yo-yos. And, and I think the reason is that nobody is willing to risk $75 on a brand that they haven't heard of before. So I figured, you know what? I'll bite the bullet. I'll just reduce the price down to $60. And that works out great for you. If you already bought a melatonin and uh, it was at $75, it doesn't matter where you bought it from message me on Instagram and I will get you a rebate. Now, uh, tell your friends to go buy a melatonin, first of all, but let's get into today's guest. This is Jonathan Sitongong. He is an amazing yo-yoer from Indonesia. Uh, he's just incredible. He has really beautiful tricks. If you've ever seen his Instagram or any of his performances and, uh, or rather competitions, <laughs> performances, uh, he does, he, he just, has a, a beautiful way around the string. He's one of those yo-yoers that people really look forward to watching him compete and to watching every trick that he posts. And he works so hard on his tricks. We talk today about building a trick vocabulary as well as kind of what goes into building a trick. We talk about uh, what his theories on flow are and, and how that is sort of affects the style of each yo-yoer. And finally, we talk, I mean, not finally, we talk about a million things, but these are just three that I came up with. Another thing we talk about is uh, building a cohesive routine that almost flows like a story in order to keep the audience's attention and keep them guessing as to what's about to happen. So we get really deep into the theory of, of tricks and routines and routining, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without any further ado, here is Jonathan Sitongong. Jonathan, welcome. Hey, Ross. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, it's so good to have you. Um, man, so I we have so much good stuff to talk about. Uh, let's start with uh, your backstory. How did you get into yo-yoing? Okay, Ross. So first of all, I just really want to thank you for the opportunity for me to be on this podcast. So basically, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a really long while. Yeah. And like, to have my first podcast is about something I really love, which is yo-yoing. It's such an honor to me, and I really couldn't be more grateful for this chance. So without further ado, for my, bra for, for my background in yo-yoing, I basically started yo-yoing around 2009, back when I was in elementary school. So back, in, back, back, back when I was in elementary school, I had kids in my school who were all crazy about yo-yoing because there was this hit show on the TV called Blazing Teens. 
I'm pretty sure some of y'all may, may have heard of that. And then I got like, I was pretty interested. I was like, oh, what's this? Let me try it. And then I, at first I was like, I was just like really kind of meh about it. But then I started learning tricks together with my friends on Expert Village. Shout out to Andre Boule. <laughs> and then I discovered that yo-yoing is actually very, very fun. And then as, as how all trends go, some of them just burn out. Most of my friends stopped playing yo-yo after three or four months. And then I gradually stopped playing too and started, uh, I started playing more online games rather than yo-yoing and completely dropped the whole yo-yo thing. Mm-hmm. And then around in 2013 or wait, yeah, 2013, early 2013, I discovered, I rediscovered a yo-yo community in my, in my area. And then it made me curious because I was like, oh, I used to play yo-yo back then. Why shouldn't I check it out and maybe, and maybe like reminisce some of my tricks. So I get out, I get my yo-yo out and I start playing. And then I, I, I just get remembered of how lovely it is, how, how, much, uh, how much fun it was. And then I went to the yo-yo, I went to the yo-yo meet the next week after like picking up my, picking up the yo-yo again after, after almost four years. And then since then on, I've been still yo-yoing till this day and really, really happy with yo-yoing with, with such a great community and all the friends I've made from it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am interested in the, cause you are in Indonesia, right? Yes, sir. So I'm, I definitely want to hear about kind of what the community is like there um, as it's different from, from, the, uh, from the U.S. community. Um, what kind of is the community like in Indonesia? It's almost, I think, around 40,000 members because it's, it's really wide. Uh, Indonesia is really big. It has thousands, like, around like 20,000 islands, if, if I remember correctly. And then like, so basically... Yo-yoing is very, very widespread in Indonesia, but unfortunately, um, not a lot of people really, not a lot of people really uh, show themselves out in yo-yoing. So basically, what is known to the scene is only like a very small portion of what it's really like in, in yo-yoing in Indonesia. But other than that, the local community here is really great. There, people are people here are actually really supportive of each other. Like we're we're a really tight-knit group, and all of us are really eager to learn from each other and have each other's backs like um, some of us helping out, some of us helping out events, carrying out demonstrations to toy stores, et cetera. What, uh, what toy stores are, are out there? The, like, is, is there any kind of main hub that people hang out at? Not really, actually. It's, it's more like some people uh, go to their own local respect, uh, their own respective local, local toy stores and do demos there. Hmm. But sometimes we just, for like the whole city, which is my city, my city is Jakarta. So most of my, most of my Jakarta, Jakarta yo-yoers uh, gather and play yo-yo at the local mall these days. Okay. And so is it common to see yo-yos getting sold at, at sort of the toy stores that are out there? And are they professional Back level or then. are they sort of small? Oh, I see. Back then, it was it was pretty it was it was pretty all the hype. 
back in like 2015 or 16. But now I rarely see people yo-yo, honestly, in public. Like, it's very rare to see like some random people, some random person yo-yo in public. But every time I see it, it's just a fresh new, uh, it's, it's just a fresh new view. Like, oh, you play yo-yo, so I play yo-yo too. Kind of what's out there. <laughs> yeah. But it's very, very rare. It's like, I can only, it only happens like once a year when I randomly see a yo-yo. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Um, so then another question is Blazing Teens. I personally never watched it. Um, and I don't know if there's many people listening. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it showed uh, on, on TV in the US, but it may have. So I'm interested in like what what the show was like, just because I personally I've never seen it. Uh, kind of what it was like. I've heard of it. I know it's based on yo-yoing, but like what <laughs> what was it? So basically, Blazing Teens was a Chinese series. It ha uh -huh. it had a five it had five seasons, and honestly, it was kind of it, it was kind of weird to me because some seasons it was live action, and some seasons it was cartoons. So. <laughs> I couldn't really predict. Well, I, I couldn't really figure out what was going on. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so basically, Blazing Teens is about. It's basically Beyblade, but with yo-yos. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Some mm -hmm. people battle with yo-yo tricks, and like these yo-yo tricks have auras like dragons or tigers, etc. <laughs> okay. That sounds basically what your typical kid show would look like. I gotcha. So sort of, sort of Power Rangers and and Yu-Gi-Oh and, and Beyblade sort of mashed all together. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you. but yo-yo yo-yo's in. Nice. Damn. Yeah. No. We we should we should have something like that. Um, get a, get a U.S. series <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, it definitely is really a great uh, gateway for yo-yoing for for the general public, like to get to get the public to like get into yo-yos it's it's a really good way to, to start it in yeah for sure I, I know a lot of people learn it from like uh, a demonstrator comes to their school or something like that or they see a friend doing it but uh, seeing it on tv that adds a whole extra level um i know like generally if you watch the netflix series the toys that made us uh all the time you realize like how deeply connected a, a toy series is with the TV series, like Transformers, for example, um, like they, they couldn't sell that without, <laughs> without the, oh, for sure. the TV series and they couldn't sell the TV series without the toys. So they kind of really interconnect. Um, also, He-Man was originally a toy series and then they went and made the, 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 the TV series. So- Oh, shoot, really? I just knew yeah. that. Uh, that's a good because, series to watch. Because, because Indonesia never shows He-Man on TV because I, I only knew it from memes. Really? <laughs> yeah, I only knew it from memes because He-Man wasn't like televised in Indonesia. Oh, yeah. I mean, I never actually watched the TV show. I only know it from memes. Uh, all, all the Skeletor <laughs> memes. But yeah, no, it's a, that's how it came about. Well, anyway, getting back to yo <laughs> Sorry, we're going on tangents here. Uh, man. <laughs> Uh, just for people also, I didn't really super introduce you. I mean, I'm going to do it in the intro, but, um, you're a, a national champion, correct? For sure. Yeah, I am. I'm the 2017 Indonesia national Euro champion. Oh, that's 
awesome. And I know you placed, uh, I think, sixth in the scales competition that happened recently. You placed top 10, a lot of different competitions. Um, and also one other thing for people to look into is your uh, your Instagram page is, is, I mean, it's one of the bigger yo-yo Instagram pages and you post such creative stuff on there. So people should definitely check you out on there. Um, which, by the way, if they want to look you up, it's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-S-T-G-G-G. There's three G's at the end. Um, yes, you sir. Want to check out that it's three G's in my last name. There is? Yeah. Oh, my God, there is. Satangong. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, and that's one other thing. Can you go through that pronunciation again? Oh, yeah, so... Basically, I, I've had so many people mispronounce my last name. So for every one of you listening, how you pronounce my name is Jonathan Sitangong. Sitangong. Yes, sir. Excellent. Well, it's so Ross, good yes, to have sir. you here. So um, so we kind of know about your backstory, how you got into it. Uh, what were your inspirations? Once you, you, know, you started yo-yoing, you kind of know the community, maybe you're watching some contest videos. What uh, yo-yoers were you most drawn to? So when I first started out yo-yoing, uh, a lot, a lot like any other yo-yoer out there, I definitely looked up to the freestyle of Hiroyuki Suzuki's 2005 World World uh, World Freestyle Yo-Yo God. Such a legendary freestyle. And then from since then on, I've been like a really huge Mickey fan. Like I watched all of his freestyles and then some of my other inspirations were some of, some of my heavy inspirations back then. Like when I first started, started, started back again in yo-yoing was also Marcus Ko and Tatsuya Fujisaka. Marcus Ko is the 2011 world yo champion and Tatsuya Fujisaka is also the 2000, he's the 2011 Jap, Japanese national champion, if I remember correctly. That's awesome. So those are, uh, I mean, those are <laughs> some, some good inspirations of people to look up to for sure. Um, and kind of what did you see that you wanted to most emulate in those three? Because when I first started out, uh, I was actually very, very astonished by speed. Speed and flow were like, I mean, I, I know speed and flow, uh, maybe to some viewers can sound very, uh, very contradictive, but like, <laughs> but speed and, speed and flow is like something I, I really, really love to see. Like how flashy speed, uh, how, like, because speed and flow really makes up for how flashy uh, a, trick, a trick looks, in my opinion. Well, I'd say flow can happen no matter the speed. Sorry? I'd say flow can happen re regardless of what speed the trick is happening at, right? Would you agree uh, with hold that? Hold on, I'm very sorry. Oh. Um, can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, flow can happen regardless of what speed the trick is happening at. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, I went with that. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, so that's good just for people, people to look up, uh, those three, uh, and then another thing is like, what of, of all the things, cause you sort of answered this 
in your backstory, but of all things to put your time into, why yo-yoing? Why not like some other thing like juggling or or basketball or like of all things, why yo-yoing? Oh, so for the record is I got very easily burnt out uh, when it comes to like hobbies such as like online games because I didn't have I didn't really have like I mean my friends who were playing online games didn't really uh, stick that long in online games and one of them like just went one by one and then for the other record I'm trash at sports I I can't do sports at all <laughs> I can only do the badminton and that's it <laughs> Badminton's a good sport. <laughs> for sure. Love that sport. And then um, the reason why I really, I, I, I got really stuck to yo-yoing, it's because I, I think I got exposed to yo-yo the most for some reason back when I was a kid because I always had a yo-yo lying around in my room. Hmm. And then the community is really also very tight-knitted, yeah. which makes me like really which is also a great aspect for me when, when it comes to learning things because I, I tend to learn things better from other people and from communities too. So basically, I'd say uh, the community and like the joy, of find, the joy of finding or learning or landing a new trick is really what makes me stick to yo-yoing all these years. Now, that's something I actually wonder about because lately it seems like everyone used to live in yo-yo expert and before that it was yo-yo nation and then they kind of moved to facebook's yo-yo uh, uh yo-yo bstn talk and other facebook groups i don't know that there's so much of that now i know that all of those platforms still exist but they all seem a little less active than they used to be and for people who don't have yo-yoers around them and like a local yo-yo community i don't I don't know if, if the community is as tight knit as it was when we were starting out. Would, would you agree with that? And maybe where do you think people are gathering these days? Honestly, like maybe I feel like the yo-yo, the yo-yo community hasn't been really that active because I'd say that like, a lot of people feel similar to me. Like they find uh, joy in yo-yoing with the people they meet in the community. And of course, the pandemic has made it pretty difficult for us to meet each other, right? So I think that the pandemic plays a part into like uh, making people a bit burnt out from yo-yoing. So it, it, it kind of takes the enjoyment out of yo-yoing because I, we don't really get to meet new people, etc. And like for people who live in like areas where there are no local yo-yoers, um, I feel that's also something really hard because I feel like it's something really hard because especially in keeping up like the consistent the consistency like to always look forward to yo-yoing because like yo-yoing alone sometimes can be like it could get a little tiring it could like stress you out a bit because like you don't have anyone else to share this to or like you don't have anyone to show tricks to but that's what that's what I like about uh social media too like or like the yo-yo BSTN talk and Instagram like for people who don't really have any local yoyers in their area they can't meet they they share their tricks on facebook and like or or any other social media and get like 
input or feedback from other people too and make them interact more even though if it's not in real life yeah absolutely i i wonder if as the kind of local groups start uh heating up again like i know dxl just had one of its biggest meetups um and and that's just my local uh southern california group and so i know all the other groups in the country and around the world are starting to to meet up again i wonder if as that starts getting the people who meet at those groups excited those people will now go online and start getting the people who don't have local groups more excited because now the online communities are are active again and a little bit more hot than they used to be um at least that's my hope yeah i really hope so that like with with especially with u.s nationals happening happening too right yes. as, as i heard it could also like kickstart a lot of people's spirits back up into yo and so and maybe like i hope it could like um help the community regain the hype it, it, it had before the pandemic hit us yeah it's, it's just what i really hope Absolutely. I, because i really love to see everyone getting active in yoyoing for sure man i'm i'm excited to see what happens with the community because we got the most exposure in the world with tiktok right now uh so we, this is this is the time to get people in um but i want to talk about Let's switch topics here for a little bit. Uh, oh, how would sure. you say, because you've, you've done a lot of competitions, a lot of competing, a lot of performing. Uh, a competition is a performance, what you're putting on, and you make some really, really beautiful ones. How do you prepare for when you're making your performances and, and getting ready for competition? Okay, thank you. So how I prepare for a competition is basically just I've uh in in recent times I've been like I haven't been like caring a lot about clickers but I've been more focusing on how like how my how like I really want to make a performance that everyone can enjoy and I could enjoy myself too so it's like my own personal masterpiece like so how do I say it how do I say it so uh, my goal in yo-yo, uh, in, in every yo-yo contest I do, like every new freestyle I make, I want it to be like uh, a new masterpiece of mine, a piece that I'm really satisfied with. So people can also like, and I hope that uh, with, sorry, I kind of jumped up there. <laughs> so I kind of hope like um, with my mindset of having, I have to make my own masterpiece. I hope that my uh, passion and love for yo also translates to the freestyle for, for everyone to see too, because that's one of my uh, greatest goals when, when making the freestyle. But I like went talking systematically. When it comes to the freestyles, I usually for for in real life freestyles, like for in person freestyles, like back in like AP or nationals, I used to like prepare my freestyles around five or six months in advance because I used to have a really hard time managing <laughs> managing my time so. I had to gather up as much as time possible to like practice in small portions and get the consistency up. And then like for songs, like for song choices, it usually for free, for freestyle preparations, I take the longest time in like picking my music because I tend to be very I, I tend to be very picky with my own music. Hmm. And then once I find it, I try to divide it into like uh small small portions and try to fill and fill those songs up with tricks oh sorry fill, fill those sections up with tricks 
I like what I what I like to do is it's also good advice I, I got from my friend is is to make like a freestyle as if you're telling a story. Hmm. How do so you there's like an, how do you do that? So it's basically like an introduction and then a climax and then the conclusion or ending. Okay. So so I guess well let's talk about that because that's something i definitely agree with um because you know everyone can relate to stories uh and i think also generally songs follow a similar structure to that so it's not too hard to like latch that into our yo-yoing but as far as visually or technically in yo-yoing what does the intro look like what does the buildup look like? What's the climax look like? What's the falling action? What's the resolution or conclusion? So like when making freestyles, uh, what I had in mind was for the introduction. Like I, I'd like to think the introduction as like, an, as like, I want people to know what my tricks are like at first so they will know what to expect for the remainder of the freestyle. Mm. And then I save my heavy hitting tricks for the climax. Okay. So like uh, people, so because like doing stories, some people like uh, get tend to get bored in the middle of the, in the middle of the story because sometimes it gets stretched out too much. But what I really want to do and freestyles is like, I want to keep maintaining the hype. I really want to keep maintaining the quality and make sure um, if not maintaining the quality, I really want to like make the, make the quality of my tricks or like the quality of my performance a step up bit by bit throughout the freestyle and then like for the ending i really like to end end it out with a bang like i re I'd really like to make um an ending where it's like memorable for people or like it gets like people cheering really really hard for me it's, it's something I, i'd really like to do for freestyles too because even though it's high risk i, I really like to end my tricks with and my freestyles with bangers because if you hit it, it's, if you hit your banger at the end of the freestyle, it's just the best feeling ever. Plus it gets people doing full on standing ovations, screaming for you. Yeah, it's just really an ecstasy experience, I'm sorry. Here's a question. If you had the choice between winning the competition or getting the most satisfying reaction from the audience, which do you choose? So what like people are cheering and like patting you on the back, throwing roses on the stage, uh, like versus getting first place, which do you choose? Like both choices are actually, uh, you, you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah. <laughs> but for me personally, I'd really love it more if people uh, appreciated my freestyle for how it is regardless of uh positioning mm -hmm. regardless of what place i get uh if people if people also love it then i'm also happy to because uh in freestyles what i really want to show is like uh what my style is like what my tricks are really are really like yeah no that's that's absolutely an opinion but on this podcast you gave the right answer <laughs> That, that definitely I'm, falls I'm, I'm a lot glad, of time. I'm glad, I'm glad I did. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, the, the way I'm thinking is like Anthony Rojas for me has always been my favorite yo-yoer. And like, I don't remember who won, 
at uh, the Bill Leibowitz Classic in 2017 or whenever I saw him, but I definitely remember Anthony's performance because he was the one who I was just like, wow, this guy's so good. Oh, um, for sure, man. He was the one Anthony Ross is such a cool dude, and he has such a great style. I also yeah. love watching him. His 2015 Worlds in Tokyo is also one of my favorite freestyles, too. Oh, completely. Such a beautiful freestyle. His scales freestyle. I forget which one, but one of the, one of the scales competitions that he made was so good. It was just oh, so for clean. sure, man. You really, he really can't go wrong with his freestyle. It's, it's always such, uh, it's it's always such a treat for the eyes. Oh, completely. So, so then I think you covered intro, climax, and ending. What about the the rising and falling action? Because that's I mean, going back to fifth grade, we go into into what a story is. Kind of like in the rising action, you're building tension. In the falling action, you're kind of like tying everything back together before the conclusion. So, what do you, how do you translate that into yo-yo talk? So, when it comes to like building up in the freestyle, I'd like to like, uh, I'd like to build up by. It could also be like picking up my own pace. Or like do more difficult tricks, and then during the build up, uh, I do that, and when and when the climax or, and when the climax comes up, I just drop something like, I, I just really uh, drop something like even more harder or something even more flashier, and it doesn't need to be, uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be tricks. It could be also in like a form of music use. Mm instead of tricks but you can't really go wrong with both ways or even using both like extremely good music use and a banger like to conclude uh to to go into a climax is really it's a really good thing okay and then after the climax heading towards the end what kind of tricks do you tend to put there so on on that phase i i usually do i usually like slow down my tempo and like okay. show my own, uh, show my more chill tricks. Uh, basically, like a slower pace, uh, a more laid back, and then towards the, the towards the conclusion, I'd I'd I'd, I'd usually love to like just randomly throw a curveball and do a banger at the end of the freestyle to to catch everyone off guard. That's so good. So so just to cover those, um, from beginning to end, the intro. You're you're introducing your style. We were talking about it, it almost made me think of like an overture in a musical that they play all the songs, but it's just the instrumentals for, it's sort of a, a medley of all the songs put together for, for what you're about to see. So it gets people ready for what, what kind of performance this is. Then you pick up the pace while you're building up to the climax. You do something really, really uh, heavy hitting, something that uses the music to your advantage. Then you kind of slow it down, do your more chill stuff that people can kind of like relax recover from that climax and then in the end you catch them off guard with one last banger um then from there what i'm interested in is like what so that was just summarizing for people to to, to di digest all that but as far as um telling a story do your performances actually tell a story like are you taking maybe an experience from your life and putting it in or is your goal just I want to show off my tricks. It's usually um, it, it depends on the song I, I I get. 
it, it depends on the song I choose. Like some songs, like for example, my uh, JYYC freestyle. It, it's an online competition held by Axel. Axel, I think it was Axel Yo Axel Yo, -Yo Cup, I believe. Like it, the the music I chose also uh, also uh, it, it tells a story. The music tells a story. It's basically I I picked the song about being true to yourself, as cheesy as it sounds. <laughs> But I, I just really love that song, and I thought it, it it will translate my style pretty well. We are artists, and artists are cheesy. That is, that comes with the job. Uh, you gotta you gotta be pretentious. Yeah, you gotta. Um, so so then that's that's awesome. That um, and it just said for people to know, like you can go out there and try to express your emotions. Imagine it's art. Uh, go for it. Don't just go out trying to show off your best tricks, but also show off good tricks. Um, so that's that. I I loved all that. Um, man, let me see. Oh, one other thing I just wanted to hit on is you mentioned AP for people listening. Uh, sometimes that means artistic performance. In this case, it means Asia Pacific uh, yoga competition. Correct. For sure, Asia Pacific Yoga Championship. My first overseas contest. Ooh, pretty good. Um, so then moving out into more the technical stuff. So we've kind of covered like the theme that you use, um, a little bit about the songs that you use. Maybe we'll hit on song structure later. Uh, but I kind of want to move into the technical aspects of you have the yo-yo in your hand, you're doing a trick. Uh, you tend to start with really complex mounts. Um, could you talk about why that is? Honestly, it's still gonna gonna sound really stupid, but I don't really know myself because <laughs> that's how that's how that's how I just uh, make tricks. I I I do tend to like use pretty complicated songs and tricks, and sometimes when I'm doing freestyles, I I really want to show this trick to people, so I just go with that as like the starter for to for to introduce my my how my style is really like. basically like that and then for the build-up I usually so basically, <laughs> so basically for my freestyle all I do is uh, maybe tech like sprinkle with a little bit of bangers but I try to like make my uh, tech or complex tricks um, variety as possible so like so basically the start is uh, me doing some complex tech and I start to pick up the pace and maybe like slip a little bit of meta here and there just like maybe rack up the points and maybe help my positioning because I mean, sometimes I also want to win too, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, that's always our goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then during like between the build up and climax, I use I I like to slip in like a banger to get people's uh to get people hyped up, and then maybe like do some big tricks like maybe, like maybe body tricks or some bangers or some fast paced tech or like some really really flashy elements and then i slow down like by doing more different tech and then at the end i catch everyone off guard with a banger that's usually okay. uh how my freestyle freestyle structures are really are usually when it comes to competitions that's awesome so so how do you think the kind of the mounts that you use play into that? 
or like Sorry. how do you set up transitions because a lot of your tricks start in in really really dense mounts and a lot of your tech is like going through all this density um kind of how do you navigate that and how do you because per personally i can't get into a really complex mount i don't know how to get out of it but you're able to do it really really well and then go into other really complex mounts so kind of how does that play into your um the the tricks that you create So basically, when it comes to like complex tricks, uh, the reason why um, I'm pretty—I I admit I'm, I'm pretty—I'm um, pretty consistent with my uh, with my more complex tricks. It's because like when it comes to making complex tricks, I really analyze the string formation of the trick. So I've already set up a lot of scenarios or backup plans in case if I drop uh, if I drop the mount at this um, at this certain at this certain point of the trick, I know where to pick it back up without starting over. So I basically have a mapping of the trick on like uh, how to get into every element, how to get into every element uh, differently. Okay. So you have- So basically, at any so basically point, I study, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so oh, no, basically no. I, I thoroughly <laughs> study my, so basically I thoroughly study my uh, how my tricks are as string formations and how do I get into each mount that leads to each element of the trick. And then like, basically I, I dissect the trick and like study, I, I completely study the DNA of the trick and then find my ways into like uh, getting, getting my backup plans in case I mess up in the middle of the trick, like how to get back into them without um, falling behind the music. That's awesome. So that's uh that actually reminds me of a concept in magic. I always have to draw magic into <laughs> into these shows. But uh, all magicians at any point in their trick they have an out. So like if they mess up a slight or if somebody that they're doing the trick for says something that messes them up in some way. Let's say that they need them to choose a number between like uh, thirty and forty, and instead they say eleven well then now the magician has to figure out how to get out of that situation so usually there will be some set of some set of outs that they have in their head of different methods or a different way that the trick can go uh to resolve that situation so it's interesting to me as a magician and also you seeing you kind of using the same concept of like at every point in the trick you know how you can alter the situation to get your advantage back and to get back into the the place that you were and then resume your um your lost time um which that brings up you do lose time in terms of the song uh even if you're able to get back to where you were so kind of how do you do you ever end up cutting out elements later on so that you can uh regain that time in your routine oh for sure like to get myself back into the pace of what i originally planned yeah. Uh, sometimes I improvise by like cutting out some elements. So, as a shortcut to get into a certain certain part of the music uh, where where I get left behind. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a that is an important aspect and something that I mean I I talk about yo-yo improvisation, which hasn't actually come up as much as I hoped on the podcast. But I I love the concept of yo-yo improvisation. And it's super important. I mean, imagine if you're an actor and someone forgets their line on stage, you have to be able to improvise to help your scene partner now regain their point 
in the scene so that you can then continue on. So it's super important for this. If you have a really well choreographed routine and then you drop somewhere, uh, which that's unavoidable, you're going to mess up eventually to be able to improvise around that and to stay flexible. Um, so kind of what stuff do you generally do? And do you ever end up fully improvising a trick to, to maybe you have a little bit of extra time and you can't recover the mount that you had, you know, it's going to take too long. Do you ever end up improvising a trick just to fill that little gap of time? Oh, for sure. It definitely happens. It definitely happens. Uh, it, it definitely happens to me too. Uh, so sometimes when there's just not enough time to make an element, I just like do whatever trick that pops up in my head that I think will fit accordingly to the music. Like it, it, it it's like, uh, a fraction of a second of thought yeah <laughs> like uh, it, it, it's basically a gamble it's basically a gamble to me like oh will this fit the music or not or am i just like gonna mess it up even further but luckily like uh the case of me messing up even further has not happened and i hope it really doesn't happen to me or anyone any other contestants too <laughs> <laughs> well so then how do you recommend practicing for those cases where you do need to improvise or do you practice that itself at all? So basically, uh, my advice for like improvising yo yoing is really simple. It's mm -hmm. probably to make, uh, it's probably to, tr to train your muscle memory too. It's quite interesting, but like, um, it's, it, how do I say it? In terms of muscle memory, like maybe like you can do your autopilot trick or you have like an an extra trick that you don't put in the freestyle so you can put it as backup in case uh you you lose uh you quote unquote lose one of your tricks in the freestyle okay and then uh one of the one of the other advices i have which is something really important is to like to know like the dna of your trick mm. like so what uh, do you mean by you DNA? gotta study study you gotta study thoroughly of how your uh how your string formations really are like um, what your mouth is like, what, uh, like, basically, like, how your string positioning or your, your positioning is, is really is uh, when you do a trick. And, like, you gotta, like, uh, I've said this before, but you gotta really know the trick really well. Like, how does the trick work? How to get into this mount if I didn't uh, enter the second element? Or, like, how, um, what other mounts can work if in case I fail to do this element to continue the trick. That makes me think of something that you mentioned the other day, which I really love this idea of a, like a trick vocabulary. Could you go into what you mean by that and how that plays into what you're talking about of knowing every aspect of the trick? So, so to simply put it into words, um, Trick, I, I'd like to describe uh, trick vocabulary also as like your storage of tricks. Mm -hmm. Because like uh, storage of tricks and storage of uh, elements, as I'd like, I'd like to say, it, because like um, vocabulary, um, with vocabulary and words, you can like mash them up and create a, create a sentence. And it's the, same, it's the same with like trick vocabulary too. You can mash up a lot of elements like um, learn the string formations, uh, learn how they transition, uh, learns like, uh, what mount if, uh, what mount will I, what mount would I land into if I do this? What mount will I land into if I do that? Like basically trick vocabulary is like 
um, having separate elements where you really know, so you can, uh, so you can really know where to transition from, or like, or uh, in order to make a trick. Okay, so it's it's sort of knowing all all the different permutations from any string formation. So like you get into one mount and then you're like, what's all the stuff that I can do out of this? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you just described it way better than I did. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just trying to summarize. Uh, but but I I think that's an interesting concept because for me, I usually get into a mount. I mean, half of my tricks are I get into a trapeze and then I see what's all the stuff that I can do from this, and I'm still working on that like three years in of different swings and different like <laughs> isolations and crap. So like, uh, I think it's. I mean, it's a massive amount of information to be able to fit in if you get into the kind of com complex mounts that you get into and then to be able to explore all the stuff that you can do from that, or at least to get enough that you're comfortable at any point in your trick to transition out of that. So I just want to emphasize that that is a lot of work to, to have to do for each trick. Um, so maybe what I'd want to think about is I mean when 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 you're when facing something with huge amounts of options, uh, there always the the eighty twenty principle comes in that eighty percent uh, eighty percent of your solutions are going to come from twenty percent of your options in this case. So like um, eighty percent of your tricks are going to come from twenty percent of the the things that you do. So kind of how do you find those really really important twenty percent of transitions out of amount? if that makes sense. <laughs> like, where do you choose to spend your time and where do you choose to build up your vocabulary instead of going, I'm not gonna do, uh, I don't know, a suicide from here because that's not gonna get me anywhere. That's not gonna do anything. I don't know if that question makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. I'm, um, I'm, I'm trying to like to, to put words in, uh, yeah. trying to think of words right now. So, but but basically, what I'd like to, what I like to do is like uh, utilize yo-yo movement, because, um, for example, because yo-yo movement really translates into a lot of mounts, and it's just crazy to see like how one motion can result in different mounts or like very very different uh, results when you do them in different mounts. It's just really uh, fascinating to me for, to see like how just one simple motion of swinging the yo-yo can bring you to an entirely new mount to explore. I see. So sort of finding the the small movements. I think that's a good answer there. Instead of like, what's the most complicated thing? It's what's the simple thing that I can transition into that gets me into a new mount where I now have yeah, more for to sure. explore from. Okay. So rather than looking for the complexity, you find those simple things. I, I think that answers the question. Um, yeah, cool. uh, it's also because uh, one of one of one of like a good advice I got I also got was uh, when it comes to making tricks, uh, try to uh, when when it comes to making tricks or like doing tricks, try to exit a mount in the most elegant way possible. And like mm -hmm. I think that's also something really interesting for me. So how would you define elegance for that? Would that be simplicity or flowiest way or what, what would you say? 
That's a really cool question. Was because like um, elegance varies from person to person. So uh, people can do whatever they like according to uh, what what they define as elegant. But like for me, I, I really like to like uh, explore unorthodox or like uh, uncommon elements for like people uh, for like what people usually wouldn't do if they were in this mount, but I try to do it. Like, just like, uh, try to create something different. Like, maybe like people expect me to do a reject from this mount, but no, instead I try to do some other movement. So like people are expecting me to do something, but I do the other thing. And I really think it, um, that's, that's like a really cool aspect of making tricks too. It's also like having the element of like unexpected and doing tricks that's awesome and, and that's something that i like i also like that quote that you said about get into a complex mount and then get out in the most elegant way because that to me is like that's all of yo-yoing right there is making knots and then getting out of those knots um but it's in terms how you of, like show the yo-yo and bind in the best way possible <laughs> yeah exactly it's it's literally making the yo-yo go up and down and then add a little bit of extra stuff in the middle. Um, That's basically what yo-yoing is all about. It, it, it all ends up, every trick ends up back in your hand anyway. Yeah. Let, let's make a trick that uh, the yo-yo dies, you stomp on it, break the axle, and then you walk off stage. <laughs> That'd be really unexpected. <laughs> um, I mean, it does, it does unexpected. Like, he's a little bit confused, but he's got the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um that that'd be really killing your yo-yo um so how would you you said that you go for sort of more unorthodox and uncommon tricks what where do you find those or what do you do to to make a trick unorthodox or uncommon basically trial and error okay like I'd, I'd reframe, uh, I'd usually like, when it comes to like making my own original tricks, I'd like to refrain of, I'd like to refrain uh, doing the elements like a lot of people have seen before. So like maybe uh, if if I'm in a mount, like, like take for example, if I was in a double or nothing mount, I'd usually, people will usually do a pop or like a Yuki, uh, the classic Yuki trick. Uh, but when it comes like, um, but when it comes to like double or nothing, I like to think if, if I slide, slide the yo-yo into a chopstick mount I make on my right hand, would it make like a completely new mount? Because like, because like basically like, um, how do I say it? Oh my God. <laughs> my brain's lagging right now, but like what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, uh, what I'd like to say is like when it comes to making tricks, uh, I just love like the unexpected aspect from it because like when people expect you to do like maybe a pop, you could do like, you can suddenly whip out the slack, like catch people off guard and like make them think, oh, you can actually do that with that mount. That's really, uh, I should have thought of, thought of that before. Maybe something like that. So I think there's kind of two things you're saying. One is is sort of an internal unexpectedness and an external unexpectedness. And for external yes. unexpectedness, there's um, kind of the audience's perception 
of of what what you're going to do as a yo-yoer and to be able to break those expectations you as a yo-yoer need to know kind of what the current meta is you have to be watching contest videos you have to be watching all the the videos that companies put out of all the players and all the tricks that they're putting out and kind of know what the what yo-yo epoch we're living in and what the tricks today look like uh and then oh definitely for do sure. the opposite then there's also the yeah. internal which is we as yo-yoers have all kind of learned i mean a lot of us learn from andre and from yo-yo x or, or yo tricks and from a few different other sources but that means that we have a certain set of tricks that are kind of the standard and so we have these internal kind of limitations because you know as great as andre is and as good as yo tricks is they aren't the infinity of possibilities of yo-yoing uh because there's always more options of things to do from amount and so um there's sort of a engineering concept. I don't know if it's really engineering, but just a, a concept I've heard that Apple uses a lot, especially Apple, um, but a, a lot of companies use, which is starting from first principles, which is that you just throw out your your assumptions uh, of as a designer, in this case of tricks, you throw out any assumptions that you have and think, what is starting from the most basic, what can I do from here? and then go from there instead of what do I see other people doing and how can I be like them? It's what is actually physically possible from right here. Uh, so it's sort of that internal unexpectedness that now as a trick designer, you're almost breaking your own expectations of what's possible. Oh, for sure. Also like another, another uh, saying I would, I would like to like implement this, like to go out of my comfort zone mm -hmm. because what I've been noticing in like when it comes to making tricks, what I like to what I like to notice is, with each new trick I get, the the, the 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 difficulty of the trick gets even harder, and I think like even though like sometimes it's 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 a pain in the ass like when when I try to do it in a freestyle because my tricks are getting harder and harder, but on the other hand like, uh, again I I expand my trick vocabulary by doing that I I found a lot of new movements I find a lot of. Uh, new string formations and what to do with them and and can and then I can implement them to a lot of more mounts and create a lot of more possibilities to make tricks from. Definitely. There God, I, I hate this. There's three things that I want to rant about from that. Because <laughs> that's so good. And this whole concept <laughs> is so good. The the first one is I've talked a lot about my my spaghetti tech theory, which is the thought that uh, if you have two plates of spaghetti, they each have their own unique in the universe tangle of spaghetti that are like completely different from each other. But if you now bring those to a table and show people, they go, oh, look, two plates of spaghetti. And that to me is kind of what tech looks like, that if you have two tangles of string, they may to me as a yo-yoer look totally and completely different, but to somebody else or even somebody who doesn't know those specific tricks, they're just going to look like two tangles of string. But something that what you're saying about the trick vocabulary that really gets me going is that yes in that moment in that instant those two plates of spaghetti quote unquote or two tangles of string might look the same but what you can do with them and the stories that you can tell and the tricks that you can do out of them as you as the trick designer if you as the trick designer know all the different possibilities that you have from those two different tangles then now you can use those different tangles as tools to build different stuff. Because if you know this tangle right now may look 
you know, gross and tiny and techy and dense, but in a second, it's going to turn into this giant uh, arm trick that's really, really cool. Or maybe this one's good, but then I can do a plane change and go into a really cool horizontal exit. Uh, and those two now have two very different exits. Then now that breaks my spaghetti theory, uh, or at least it's a really good counter to it. Um, that uh, kind of, if you use those different tangles as tools, then now that's really useful and something that you can start to build. Um, and another thing that I like to talk about is sort of this collector's mindset that people think, I mean, I think all of us have had this experience that when we look at yo-yo expert and we see these are the beginner, these are the intermediate, and this is the expert tricks. And if I learn everything on that list, now I know all of yo-yoing. And then we get through it and we're like, oh, I still suck at yo-yoing. <laughs> I'm still not creating stuff. And so it's, it's the thought that uh, we as yo-yoers think in terms of collecting these tricks. And once we've learned all of the tricks, then now we know everything. And that's not true. You actually have to understand the transitions between them and all the different elements. And so I think what you're saying plays into that of uh, to, to stay uncommon and un unorthodox. We have to create this big vocabulary of all the different stuff that we can do and kind of get comfortable with moving between different elements rather than I'm going to learn. Uh, I can't even think of, I, I'm going to learn black hops and now I'm going to learn uh, I can't think of any of the basic terms. ladder escape, ladder escape, <laughs> ladder escape. Yeah, like it's it's what can I learn from Black Hops and what can I learn from ladder escape, and now how can I implement those lessons into all the other things? Um, because all those basic tricks do have important transitions between elements that can definitely be utilized. Um, so that's something I just want to toss out for people who are starting out, but also at any level, like you can start implementing that. Um, and there's one more thing, yeah. but I'll, I'll, I'll shoehorn it in later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also what I'd like to say is uh, when it comes to like the trick ladder and the expert, uh -huh. like uh, the easy tricks, advanced tricks or intermediate tricks, I'd also like to say, I like to think it as um, those are also like very, very classic and cool tricks like ladder escape, uh, rancid milk, etc. But like, I also like to think of them as like, uh, tricks that could equip me with the knowledge to make to like build my tricks from later on yeah no i agree just want to point I, that out uh some some that i have thought about is that like tricks themselves don't exist there's just a series of elements put in different ways and sometimes people put names on them uh just like a song doesn't exist a song can always be in the process of 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 changing and musicians might have a song and they play it one day and then 10 years later it sounds totally different but it's still the same song so anyway uh uh what those basic songs like mary had a little lamb or ladder escape in terms of tricks have in common is that they do teach you really important lessons and they're they're good exercises they're more like exercises than actual tricks because each one does teach like a, a wrist mount i can't think of a, a trick that starts in wrist, wrist mount but I know there is one in, in Yo-Yo Expert that I learned a long time ago. Um, I think it's and what. It might be and what, but I could be Oh, wrong. yeah. What, what a classic trick. I love, I love that trick. Damn, yeah. I, I, I think I need, to, I need to pick that tutorial back up because I, I completely forgot what it's like. But I remember like spending weeks trying, trying to learn that. Me too. 
me and my friend were trying that for so long and he learned it and i think i still don't know it <laughs> i should go back but to it that. really does it really it really do be such a classic trick yeah but those are good exercises and to try to take those and modify them and then start building up a style from there would be a really really good way to you know approach yo-yoing rather than thinking those tricks are the end all be all to all of yo-yoing um but I'm talking too much. Uh, so I want to... It's a podcast. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah we're talking. You're the guest. Uh, 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 so I think I, I talked about those. Let's see, what else do we have here? God, there's so much I want to talk to you about. Um, oh, yes. So in terms of staying unpredictable and unconventional, um, I think that that's... I mean entertainment is keeping people paying attention and something that is really important to keep people's attention is novelty um just seeing a yo-yo for the first time is novel enough to to make some people pay attention but then you have to keep their attention so kind of how do you um how do you keep your tricks un completely unpredictable and i know i kind of asked that earlier but i kind of want to use an example and kind of put a, a case study to this you recently posted an arm trick that ended in a really cool Mach 5 uh, and then had a really, really good exit to it. I'm interested in how did you design that? What was kind of your thought process when you made that particular trick? So basically, uh, the, the the trick I just uploaded, like the arm trick that had the Mach 5 is basically uh, a trick I've been working on. Like it's a, it's a trick I've been stuck on for like a year or so, but I haven't really? gotten like, uh, the trick I just posted is something like uh, I concluded I, I concluded the trick in my in my uh, last post. Huh. And by the way, for people listening, that was April twenty seventh of twenty twenty two that that was posted. Sorry. Go ahead. And uh, that oh, got yeah. posted. Yeah, just for people who might be listening ten years from now or something. That's <laughs> just when it was posted. Yeah. Uh, so my thought process behind it was uh, basically again trial and error. Like I try. I try uh, some unconventional movements and like to see what can they result in. And that result, I try to like uh, make make another stem from it. And like, what what can I do from this mount that I got from that element? So basically, um, how do I say it? Yeah, like to, to like completely dumb it down. <laughs> uh, I just like, over and over, I, I completely do trial and error, trial and error, trial and error until I come up with something that I'm actually satisfied with. And like, and that makes me think, oh yeah, this, I, I think this is good enough. Like, I really like doing this trick. I'm really satisfied with how the trick goes throughout, um, throughout the whole duration of the trick. It's usually, um, that's usually uh, my thought process when like creating tricks. But like what I said earlier is more like, more to like what my mindset is. It sounds like you're, you, you start with a mount or with a, you, you, I mean, you do start with a mount and then you add some transition, you get to some new mount and now you're like, what do I do from here that's unexpected? And in this case, I mean, that Mach 5 came out of nowhere to me. Um, so you, you keep doing that. When do you know that that trick is done? Oh, that's honestly a very good question. Like in some cases, I like to end the trick where like I think 
damn, I, I don't think I can find anything from this amount anymore. So let's just end it with uh, some really cool uh, flashy element or like maybe um, sometimes when the trick gets too long, like because sometimes when I create a trick, uh, some of my tricks get too long and like I feel like it'd be, it, will, it will be boring to do and to watch because I mean like it's basically it, it's gonna basically look like a, a full one show of like complete uh, dense tech but in some cases I'd like to like keep it I've been I've been like recently learning how like how to like uh, keep my tricks short and simple yet still like leaves an impression on people like it doesn't need to be long it doesn't need to be uh it doesn't need to be like above 30 seconds uh, like uh like to present the whole trick but it could be like just like a good uh 10 or 15 seconds to showcase like a handful of elements but each and every element is like really really well taught like really really um unconventional like uh something like people really see in yo-yoing that's basically uh what i've been up to like, when it comes to creating tricks even though like I've been kind of stuck in a trick block uh, for, for the past few weeks, but yeah. Um, I'll just take an opportunity to shout shout out a, uh, <laughs> a book that I, I put out for free that's literally about how to get out of a, a yo-yo rut um, that you can pick up in the link in my Instagram bio at Toys link in description etc anyway uh, yeah no I, but <laughs> I, I, I do think a that, advertisement in the middle yeah <laughs> no this uh this I, I mean i think i think that that concept of the, the yo-yo right some everybody experiences and it's like i think it's a natural part of of any any art and i think that during those times you're also kind of like those ideas in your head are marinating and then typically once that time ends and tell me if, if you disagree, uh, like after I get out of a rut, I'm just like overwhelmed with a flood of new creativity. Um, would you agree with that? For sure. Like I, I've actually heard like some of my friends do that, but um, when it comes, uh, when it comes like trick rut, what I usually do is like, I'd usually stop yo-yoing for a week, like maybe stop yo-yoing for a week and like, um, because like I, because like I usually when in my free time I I I yo-yo a lot like because I, um, I'm a person who fidgets a lot and like I need to like, uh, move my move my hands or move my fingers in order to keep me occupied. So like yo-yoing also plays a big part in like uh helping helping me out on that habit. And then, but I purposely uh, withdraw myself from yo-yoing so I can take my time and like. Uh, maybe envision some tricks in my head that, like, uh, like yo-yoing in my mind. I, I sometimes I I like to try yo-yoing in my mind, like, um, in, envision a string formation and see what what I would do from it. Um, how how will I move from this mount? How will I utilize this slack? And then, and then a week later, I, and then a week later, I try to yo-yo and like I I try to apply what I what what are what are the things uh, what are what are the things i gain from like all, all that thinking or like um visualizing tricks in my head that could translate into like my really i hope that makes sense no absolutely um actually i want to write that down as something to put into a a later edition of this book um the the ebook uh visualizing trick that's not really something i ever do 
but it does make me wonder when you are sitting in, I mean, even just mindlessly fidgeting, are you doing that fidgeting intentionally and trying to come up with different permutations of tricks or is your practice for creating tricks kind of its own dedicated time specifically to making tricks? Cause I'm always just kind of fidgeting mindlessly. Even when I'm filming for my Instagram, it's usually just creating in the moment and then being like, Oh, this is cool. I'll do this until I land it. Um, so yeah, for sure. Ever, like really intentionally trying to figure out different permutations and creating your outs for your routines. Usually it's just like, uh, when I'm not doing anything, I just like mindlessly, uh, wait, not, not mindlessly. That, 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 that's kind of contradictory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I usually like yo-yo in my mind like without without thinking about it too much while fidgeting my uh, fidgeting like whatever's in front of me. But like most of the time, I usually visualize um, me yo-yo in my head, like utilizing what the tricks uh, I would do if I was in X mountain or like in Y mountain. I see. That's that's good to know. Um, man, so uh, one other thing that just came up when we were talking the other day that I really, really liked is that you tend to, instead of like ending a trick, I mean, eventually you find there's no more that we can do within this. I've already explored a concept fully. Um, but before you get to that point where you're like, this trick is going to end, um, you're kind of looking for points where other people might end a trick. For example, you mentioned about a, um, a green triangle when we were talking the other day. And oh, yeah, yeah. most people in there. Actually, go ahead. Yeah. So um, when it comes to like making transitions for tricks, mm -hmm. when it comes to making transitions, um, transitions for tricks, um, what I'd like to do is like before I maybe like, for example, I try to end my tricks in a GT. Like it could be an, a good ending. Like if I want to keep it short, I will use that GT as, as the ending. But uh, when I want to like continue to another trick, uh, for example, I could like utilize the kink that was made in the GT and like uh, hop the yo-yo inside the kink and like make another trick from that and like or or uh, sew it together with another trick I have. So basically, like combining a lot of uh, basically like anal analogy like I, I'd like to make is like uh, combining a lot of sentences like to make a paragraph. Yeah, that's basically uh, what I what I think of it as. Yeah, completely. Where, where some people might hit enter and say, all right, my paragraph's over. You're like, no, no, no. What's another sentence that I can put here? Or maybe where someone might usually put a period, you go, wait, what if I put a comma and continue this and, and keep going from there? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, like making the, making the trick keep like going and all flowy, et cetera. Definitely. Um, that also reminds me, I mean, I, well, first of all, it ties into what we we're talking about earlier of a vocabulary, having that trick vocabulary and knowing uh, so much that if you look at a GT, you don't go, okay, that's the end. That's where everybody ends their tricks. I'll pop out and then bind. It's all right. What actually is a GT? Let's think about it from first principles. Well, it's a wrap around a string that then leads into the yo-yo the and the yo-yo is landed on a, on a loop. So now we have a kink in the string. And with that kink, I can do X, Y, Z, uh, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing past Z, but <laughs> A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and so on. So um, that's sort of what we're talking about with the vocabulary and why that's so important to know other stuff 
And maybe a good method for people to do is find typical endings for tricks. Think about it from first principles. Think about stuff that you can do from that and what that string formation really is. And then create tricks from there um, would be one way to kind of implement this theory into practice. Actively. Sorry, could you, could, could you repeat that again? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Question. Uh, well, it's more of a statement. But uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's all good. It's it's a uh, we can kind of look at where tricks generally end, take those endings, figure out what formation the string is in, and then create tricks from there as a way to sort of implement in practice what it is that you're talking about. So it's sort of maybe an exercise for people to go and try out. For sure, for sure. Um, awesome. So something else that we talked about the other day that I really liked, you talked about Slack. And I know that you use Slack in very unconventional ways and really interesting ways. So I kind of want to know, how do you know, first of all, when, when you can create Slack? How do you find Slack in a trick? So when it comes to Slack, like what I will do in tricks is when like when I enter a mountain, like I analyze the string formation and I'll try to experiment if I maybe if I slide the string off this finger, can it create a slack? Or like when it has like an extra wrapper around the yo-yo, like I'd like to think, uh, can I reject this little little part and like maybe create a slack that could lead into another mount? Or like basically if I if I if I swing the yo-yo here as I release the string on this finger, can I create like an extra residual of string that could result in a slack? Hmm. That's basically what my thought process when it comes to slack. I got you. So it's sort of looking for things that you can do with, it sounds like for everything that you do, you're analyzing like in depth what the string formation looks like right now. And then what can I do from there? Um, so then kind of the things you're looking for with Slack are extra loops around the bearing sort of, right? Um, yeah. Okay. So then once you have a piece of Slack, where, what do you do with it? <laughs> what are kind of the options of things that if someone's looking at their mount right now and they go, I, I know that Slack can exist, what sort of stuff do you generally think about in terms of options to, to use that Slack for? So like uh, when a certain element produces, uh, when I when I like come up with a with a with a slack in a certain mount, like what I like to do with it is maybe can I like uh, bypass the slack through the yo-yo to create another mount, or like I could like uh, hook the slack onto the yo-yo to create like another another mount where I can experiment from, or maybe uh, I can. You utilize the slack and swing it like and like hook it onto my finger. So so the yo-yo also so so it creates a place where it, it creates a new opening for where do you where I can move the yo-yo into. So I can create another mount to transition into. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah no definitely and and of course like if you're swinging onto your finger you could also swing it onto an elbow or or I don't know, get it onto your knee. I know Anthony Rojas has done some really cool stuff with like body slack tricks. Um, 
you could also like just do all kinds of whips and stuff. Um, so that that's good of, of things that you can think about when you have a piece of slack. Um, man, is there is there anything else? Just because your slack tricks are so cool, kind of what's your process with those to make those come around? Or is it just implementing all the stuff that we've already talked about? So um, thank you, but like uh, when it comes to like slacks, yeah, it, it, it's as what you said. It it, it all uh, stems from all the experiment I do from like analyzing the amount I have. It's basically that. Okay, that's awesome. So kind of the biggest thing I'm hearing is anytime you're in any mount, really analyze the hell out of it and figure out um, what you can do with it. So then for sure. One like I, I analyze I analyze like all the string layers and like how it or like uh how it hooks onto my finger or how how like uh it intertwines with maybe like another layer of the string, etc. And like I try to utilize the best as I can like to create something good out of it. It's just a lot of trial and error sitting in your room and sure. <laughs> experimenting on different stuff. That's awesome. That's why I, I that's why I usually take so long to create a new trick. Yeah. No, I, I, I can see that. But once they come out, they're so good. Man, I some I wonder is your slack tricks tend to be very, very big. Um, and you're able to do really, really large tricks. Um, how would you say that the size of the space that you're yo-yoing in plays into creating tricks that big? Oh, uh, we're talking about like the area around me yeah like the actual physical space that you're practicing in oh okay uh so basically like um i'm lucky enough like i have a room which is like i have a, a really wide and like uh, a really high high ceiling room so basically when i yo-yo i don't need to like i don't need to really think about my yo-yo hitting anything or like i i don't need to think about uh, the yo-yo hitting my ceiling or like uh smacking my desk etc like um i have like a really uh wide space for me to yo-yo so it it also like helps me a lot in making like extra large tricks like maybe like a body trick or like above the head tricks it, it really takes part into like giving me all the freedom i can into my movement i like because I my ceiling is like twice my height Oh, so you're good because that's like, <laughs> yeah, you get some definite height in there. Well, like I think it's like a good three meters. I feel like maybe like two and a half, two and two and two, two, yes, two, two point seven meters. I think it's around that for my ceiling. Wow, that's <laughs> oh my dumb imperial system brain is like, uh, how big? How big is that? I honestly so, don't know how to translate that into inches, too. Hey, you know what? I have a computer in front of me. It's worth it. It's worth it. Let's find out. You said 2.7? It's 2. Point like, um, probably like 2.4 after I see it again. 2.4 or 1.4? 2.4 meters. Meters two feet is seven. It's about eight feet. Um, yeah, I'd say that's like a pretty optimal space for me to yo-yo too. That's twice your height. <laughs> yeah. 
Wait, no, no, no. No, definitely <laughs> not. Definitely not. <laughs> not. Um, I think... Wait, let, let, let me just stand in my room and I'm like, examine it. All right, all right. <laughs> I said it's like... <laughs> uh, 1.8 times as a... Wait, no. Yeah, I'm also like, my brain's really lagging right now. But I like say it's it's like uh, it's one and a half times taller than me, and I'm like okay. I'd like I'd like to say I'm uh, what am, what is my height? I'd like to say like I'm five point nine, I think, or five point ten. Okay. Gotcha. Then, so it, point being, you have enough room. <laughs> yeah. To dumb <to> <laughs> it down. The conclusion is I have enough room. Okay. That's good. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think like, I mean, for me, my tricks got a lot bigger when I moved into a bigger space and that's had a huge impact on me. So if anyone's listening and they're like, oh, I only ever do these tiny little tech tricks and you want to get bigger, try being in a bigger space and then exploring that space because that really has helped me uh, at least. And it sounds like it's helped you as well or kind of allowed you to make those bigger things. Or outdoors too, if you want like all the freedom you want. Yeah, definitely. And to get people staring at you. For sure. <laughs> as long as you don't mind it. Oh man. Um, so I love that. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about flow and kind of your thoughts on flow. What it is. Oh, so. And, mm -hmm. So, oh, this is, I I really like this topic uh, for flow. Mm -hmm. Like, even though uh, I don't really think myself uh, highly in, in aspects of flow, but I, I just really like to see, uh, I just really like to see like a good trick with good flow. I just love to see it. But my take on flow is like, I really like uh, the analogy I have with flow is like, I like to think of flow uh, the same thing as handwriting. So basically uh, what I'm trying to say is when it comes to handwriting, like, People can write the same word. People can write the same sentence, but uh, one cannot like exactly copy another person's exact handwriting, and that's what and that's what I, I'm trying to put into you. Uh, th and that's what I caught. And that's what I caught uh, when I, when I think about flow too. Like, for example, I can do Charles Haycock's tricks, but I can never make it as good as it, as as good as or as flowy as he does. So basically, I also think it has something to do. Uh, it also uh, heavily ties to like how we learned yo-yoing as we started out because everyone's muscle memory is different. How everyone uh, moves the yo-yo is, uh, even though it's the same movement, like their their motion when doing it is different. Like, uh, how do I say it? It's, well, it's almost to me it's, like uh, if you have a fourth grader reading Shakespeare, and they don't know anything about what they're saying versus someone who's on Broadway doing uh, Hamlet, like the, one of them is going to be saying it in a very, very different way. And there's a reason one of them is getting paid a, a living salary to do it. And the other one is a fourth grader, just like uh, voice breaking his way through a speech for his class. Like there's there's very different intention, very different meaning, uh, and and sort of style behind each of those. 
which I'm not at all calling you a fourth grader doing <laughs> Charles Haycock's tricks, but you can both be doing the same thing and have a totally different approach. Yeah, it's basically like uh, a, like a small analogy I made years back, and it's like what I what I like to think of uh, what what I'd like to think about it when it comes to flow. <laughs> but it's like really interesting to see like uh, a lot of people doing the same trick, but everyone like does it differently like it just looks differently even though the the complete structure of the trick is the, is the exact same but it just yeah. doesn't look the same it's definitely something very very cool to me like people do it maybe people maybe can't do it like at like uh different speeds or like uh maybe like a different speed of momentum etc it's almost like um when we learn a language, we learn it in our regional accent. And so like, I've kind of learned in this Southern Californian style from people like Grant Johnson, uh, Alex Satori, Anthony Rojas, all those sorts of people. And we, we all learned from Yoshi Mikamoto, like he was the, the grand teacher of all of us. But uh, so we all kind of have our own sort of regional yo-yo accent if we bring in that vocabulary that like we're all sort of learning yo-yoing as a language. So we all kind of have developed our own language and our own style. Um, and so then when we take on someone else's trick that they developed in their own language, we can't really say it quite like they did. We can't, we don't really have their same. So we end up saying it sort of with an accent and doing it with an accent, which is, you know, that's our little bit of style. Um, and I do think it, as far as that handwriting analogy you're talking about, it is sort of another way of talking about style. So how would you say uh, style is developed and how have you developed your style? And is there anything that you intentionally try to do to make your style more, you know, <laughs> push it in a certain direction, let's say? So to simply put it, uh, what I think of like when it comes to developing style, it's it's pretty simple. It's like basically like to find what what you really like to do in yo-yoing and maybe expand from that. Maybe if 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 you like, for example, if you like uh, tricks inspired by poi, you can do like uh, poi esque tricks, like translate poi tricks into yo-yoing, and that could also like become your own signature style. And for me, like how I develop my own style is basically. Um, Motorcycles I, have, uh, I live right beside the main road, so there's a lot of motorcycle noises. So please excuse <laughs> me for that. But yeah, when it comes to my own style, like how I developed it was, I tried to copy like a lot of my a lot of my favorite yo-yoers, such as uh, Kieran Cooper, uh, mm. Polo Garcamol, and like a lot of other people, like Zach Wormley. So like I I copy a lot of I copy a lot of their tricks. And I also analyze their tricks too, and like I also uh, use use that that analyzation as like equipment for me to like expand on my own trick and like uh, basically that's how my style stemmed. Okay. Basically, also... like uh, taken. Mm -hmm. So I basically like take a lot of inspiration from a lot of yo-yo players, and I put my own unique twist on it. Without like, without trying to seem like, I'm, I'm taking like. Uh, without like trying to make it look, very, 
very visible that I'm taking inspiration from this person. Like I'd like to like I'd like to take uh, the subtleties of this person's tricks and like analyze it and create my own twist on it. I see. That's awesome. So then are you also analyzing their style or just their tricks and then putting your own style into it? No, um, basically I only analyze uh, how, how uh, the, the tricks I learned. Okay. So like, because, yeah, because uh, when it comes to the tricks I do, like, I just, I'm, I just like, I go uh, completely, I, when I try to do a trick, I, I just automatically, it just automatically registers in my brain to like analyze the, the, the trick completely. Oh. So is that going through it in half speed on YouTube and trying to figure it out? Or how Sorry? are you, what, what are you looking for when you're analyzing? Are you like slowing down the video and tearing apart each element and mount? Or is it something else that you're analyzing? So usually I analyze analyze uh, like like uh, as you said like uh, making the video slow motion and like learn element per element or like and in some cases like I just see a certain element from the person uh, from this this trick I like uh, like for example oh I like this element I like to like implement the movement or the momentum this person did and like implement them into this mount and see if I can make anything new from it, or like maybe I can do the same. Uh, I can do the same movement of this person's element, but I can do it cross-handed, or maybe like inverted, or maybe like above the head, etc. That's awesome. So it's trick by trick, but also element by element that you're kind of deconstructing. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, awesome. So I think that covers my questions on there. Um, and let me just double check. You know that hits on a lot of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm glad I did so. Yeah, no, this is this has been so good. Um, some other stuff we talked about, though, is you're kind of trying to pick up some other props. Is that correct? Other than yo-yoing, I mean. Yeah, uh, so basically I go to like I go to a university where it mainly studies uh, hotelier aspects and tourism aspects and Bartending is also one of them. Uh, so in recent days, I've been learning uh, mixology and a lot of flaring too. And I've tried to like, and I've tried to like implement what I what I learned in yo-yo to flare or like vice versa. I like to like implement uh, flare into yo-yoing, like how 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 you did Ross, like with how you did the shadow by like it was inspired by. Flaring. I thought I also thought that was like also very very cool. Thank you. Uh, but for those who don't know, flare is. Can you talk about what flare is actually? So flaring is basically. Uh, oh my god, <laughs> I've, I've I've been doing flare for like pretty long, but I still don't know how to define it. But it's basically <laughs> like. Uh, it's basically like uh, juggling, but you do it with uh, bottles and tin shakers. Usually, um, these bottles are also uh, filled with like some sort of liquid. So even so, for bartenders when they're on the job, they can also do some flares like to please the crowd or like to like like a flashy 
like an extra service like to, to seem flashy for the customer and maybe like add more experience for the customer like by juggling by doing flaring like uh, uh flipping the bottle or like um showing showing the bottle and catching it behind their behind their back or behind their head and basically just like, like yo-yoing there's like the classic tricks that are that everyone can do and it's just like an easy way to please a crowd and you can land them every time but then there's also full-on flare competitions where people are juggling six bottles and seven tins at the same time flinging them around doing insane like things that you know how far people take things as yo in yo-yoing people take flare to the same levels that yo-yoers take yo-yoing that it just looks inhuman when they're doing it Oh, for sure. Like when I when I see like any flare competition, I just like I just like uh, sit there and ponder like how the hell do do people do these things? Like the amount of practice they must go through. Like I, I just really respect the, the dedication. So then, with a because in in flare, kind of the the skills, the necessary skills are general toss juggling, as well as there's a lot of contact juggling elements where you're like rolling things on your body. There's a lot of balancing. Um, those sorts of skills, how do you tie those in with yo-yoing and, and vice versa? And kind of how do they inspire each other? So what are like, uh... So flare and yo-yoing are basically two different things. Once uh, one is one is like a piece of metal attached to a string, and one is like a bottle and a tin. But like what I'd like to translate from it is like uh, when it comes to like taking inspirations from yo-yoing to flare, I I definitely like stem. I I try to stem it from like big body tricks, like maybe catching a suicide behind behind my head or like behind the back. And it also translate, translates into flare too. Like I flip or toss the bottle and I, and, I, and I transition it by catching it behind the back and then like proceed to throw it uh, and, and catch the bottle behind my head, etc. Absolutely. And I think the more props people pick up, the more like different, it's just like looking at a, a new yo-yoer and being like, oh, they have a totally different style I've never thought about. But then... Uh, like, oh, I forget his actual name, but uh, Blah Blanchard on, on Instagram. Uh, oh, I, I, Ricardo Farolini. There we go. Ricardo Farolini. Every time I see one of his tricks, I'm like, oh, never seen anything like that. I, 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 he would be on the podcast, but apparently he has too much of an accent, he told me. <laughs> so I, I was that close to having him on. Maybe one day. Um, so Hopefully anyway, one day. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Ricardo. Uh, Ricardo, if you're hearing this podcast, thank you, and I love you so much. Oh, we all love Your you so much. Are completely insane. <laughs> they they're so different, but that same kind of feeling that you have towards seeing someone like Ricardo comes out every time you see like the entire Poi community or the entire Flare community and all of the stuff they've developed. Diablo too, like there's so much that you can pick up if you just learn the the basics of something else. You learn a totally new vocabulary of movements that you never knew were out there. Or like I study magic and there's so much I learned from magic that you just directly apply into yo-yoing. You're like, oh, now I can do all this stuff. So like going outside of yo-yoing and outside your comfort zone, kind of what you're saying earlier is like, that's super important and a great way to find new inspiration. For sure. 
it, it also like takes part into expanding your vocabulary, not only in yo-yoing, but also like the other things you're also trying to learn right now. Oh, completely, completely. Because now very, your very vocabulary isn't in just one thing even. Uh, awesome, it's almost like learning a new language. Um, <laughs> so perfect. I also, so I, I think actually that's, I think that's a good little last question. Let's move into the, the wrap up here. Unless you got anything else that you want to get out. Um, I think like, yeah, I think that's it. Sweet, sweet. I, I think I've like, I've said everything I want to say and maybe like, uh, shout out to Ross too, like for making all of this possible. Team Duncan and original trophy for the sport too. Oh yeah, and don't forget if if you if you if you can or if you may, you can please cop the GTRJS my signature yo-yo that just came out two months ago. There's oh, still absolutely. some of them left. The fucking yo-yo expert. Yo-yo expert. Any other retailers? Yo-yo expert. Yo-yo Sam. Rewind. Spin gear. They're all available um, on those retailers. My bad. <laughs> Pick those up. Support Duncan and Original Throw. I've, I've been seeing Original Throw popping up on different on uh, on yo-yo yes, shirts. Um, so that covers the plugs. There's two other little like wrap up things. One is kind of a takeaway point. If there's any one thing that you think people should remember this episode for any one thing we talked about, you really want people to know forever. What would that one point be? I'll say one and you say one too. So like a good takeaway I can think of is when you're like, Again, it's gonna sound cheesy, but like, <laughs> just do what feels right for you, and like, it'll all it'll all fall into place. Like, uh, get used to your own methods. Um, you don't you don't need to like follow a certain per a certain person's like thought process or anything because like, of course we're all different. We have all different thought processes. We have all different muscle memories. We have different mindsets. Um, so just adjust to your own thing. And I, and I feel like you guys will find like your, um, your own quote unquote true calling. <laughs> That's very pretentious of me to say, but yeah. Yeah. Just no, do your as, own thing. as much as it pains me to say, I will never have Jonathan's style. <laughs> I just have come to, to know that, <laughs> but I, I love my style. So that's, that that's definitely a good point. Um, something I'd say is uh, building out your trick vocabulary and and kind of exploring as many different uh, parts of a trick as you can. So finding a trick that you're in and then go through all the permutations of exits and learn those as as outs because that that's important if you're doing a performance or a competition it doesn't matter you always have to make it look like you know what you're doing and the, the only way to do that is to to build up all the options when things go wrong and also doing that it sounds like will help you to build new tricks as well um so so i think those are some good takeaway points plugs as we said look up duncan look up original throw get that gtr um and finally, the endless chain, which uh, I am stealing 100%. I, I mean, this whole podcast format is from Jonah Babbins. 
Uh, but these last three questions, especially, and ending in the the endless chain, is from Jonah Babbins, creator of uh, 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 Discourse and Magic, which is a really good podcast, and you should all go listen to. But what the question is is, uh, we want this podcast to go on forever. Um, so, who is someone that you can put me in touch with that you think has to be on this podcast? Oh wow, that's a really good question. Um, yeah. Sort of what I'd like to really see on the podcast is a good friend of mine, uh, Polo Gapamo. He's okay. the two-time Asia champion and Thai national champion. Dude's basically uh, taught like he 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 basically taught like uh, a good seventy percent, seventy-five percent of the things I know in yo-yoing. Like me and him share tricks a lot, and like. He's just a genius when it comes to tricks. Like I can, I could show, the, I could show him like one element to him, and then he comes back with like three variations of the element in like ten minutes. <laughs> and would I be correct in so, saying that's that's P Polar on on Instagram, right? Yeah, at P Polar on Instagram. Yeah, P P O L O R. Uh, oh, oh, Polo, if you're hearing this podcast, I love you, bro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's great. I Most love tricks. his tricks. He's busy. <laughs> he's a dental yeah. student. <laughs> Man. Well, perfect. I think that brings us to the conclusion. So thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you so much, too, Ross. It's, it's been like such a pleasure having uh, given the chance to be like in this podcast to talk about what I really feel about yo-yoing and what, what my thought process is like in yo-yoing because I've never really actually taught I haven't really thought about like how I think about my tricks and like this podcast helped me like define more into my style or like what my style is like. So thanks for the chance too, man. Thanks for being here. That's what I love to hear. All right. Thank you so much for everyone listening. Peace. Thank you for everyone listening. See ya.